0: from Nehemiah chapter 3 we are continuing our journey through this book and the reminder for us is that every believer comes to Christ by faith that is a reminder for us Lord that you came to acknowledge Jesus Christ based on faith you took God at his word and he sent his son to die to your when you accept that free gift of salvation you believe in accepting that gift there's a problem. And the problem is that But for every believer, and this is the first point, and there is a small error in this. So I'm a 1,000 with the outline for the last two weeks, so I apologize. But here's the statement as you should read in your of this morning. Believers become a part of the people of God for the purpose of glorifying Him in doing the work of God. You and I glorify God as we serve Him and as we work for Him. We don't glorify God by doing nothing. We don't glorify God by going through the motions. We glorify God by serving Him. And I found this quote by Christopher Wright, and he says this, it is not so much the case of God that the case of God has a mission for His church in the world, as that God has a church for His mission in the world. This is the next statement. Mission was not made for the church, the church was made for mission, and that is God's mission. The church does not serve for itself. The church does not serve to think of a space on a block in a city. The church is called to serve its community. The church is called to serve those not only within, but around. And what we're going to see this morning, what Nehemiah is going to describe to us, is that the people of God are going to carry out the mission that is them the mission that is Them and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But if you start this chapter, the chapter, if you've had a chance to read through it already, some of you are already panicking. Because there are a lot of names in this chapter. There are 48 different names in this chapter. We are not going to read the whole chapter. Because I'm not going to do the people who are mentioned here to serve i this. Shared with you, it's the complete chapter four. We're not going to read it first for a verse, but as Nehemiah begins introducing this lineup, he also the work is beginning, and the work starts near the sheep gate. The work starts near the sheep gate, and that's the northeast corner of the city. And in the work of the sheep gate, verses one and two are those who work on that gate. I want you to look at verse one. Look at the first people who were serving and working in this building project. Verse 1 says, Then Elijah, the high priest, rose up with his brethren and priests, and they built the sheep gate, they consecrated it and hung its doors, and they built it as far as the tower of the hundred, and consecrated it and then as far as it as the tower of hell The thing about the sheep gate, the thing I want to point out to you, is that Elijah did is the grandson of Joshua, the high priest, who ministered during Haggai and Zechariah's rebuilding of the temple itself. We know, according to scripture and history, that Joshua was the high priest who returned to Judah, the first time the first group returned back to Jerusalem at 556 BC.
1: And Haggai and
0: Zechariah were the prophets who ministered to the people in Jerusalem, but notice who starts the work. It's the high priest and his brethren are the ones who start the work on this specific gate known as the sheep gate. Here's the reminder for us this morning. As they are the spiritual leaders of the community, it is essential the priest take the lead in the project, or it is more than a reconstruction project. It was important for the priest to take the lead it is a God-ordained work that is taking place in Nehemiah chapter 3, turning the reproach of Jerusalem into the glory of God. It is also a spiritual mission, and they understood that a spiritual mission requires spiritual leadership. That's why the high priests are serving. We also know that the Sheep Gate was the gate where they brought the sacrifice. When those who came to Jerusalem for Passover, the verse that they consecrated that gate as well because that was only something a spiritual leader could do. This is an undertaking that starts at a beginning. It starts with the leadership. We can almost look at this as the first fruit offering.
1: They could have started
0: anywhere on this building project, yet they started at the sheep gate, because that's where the sacrifices would take place. That's where they would bring their gifts to God. And Scripture says they have consecrated it, they have dedicated their work to God because they recognize that this work has a divine purpose. We also know through the prophet of Jeremiah that God has promised to restore Jerusalem. So this project is pertinent in the fulfillment of God's word to restoration. This is God's building project, it's not Nehemiah's building project. Yes, But think about Jeremiah for a second. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 14, he says these words. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place in which I caused you, cause you to be carried away captive. God said, listen, I'm going to send you away and I'm going to bring you back. So this is part of God's plan. This is the fulfillment of God's promise. Not only from Jeremiah, but we also see in Ezekiel. Where is Ezekiel- mark it. Then here's what I want you to see about the work at the fish gate. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. This is one of those verses that I really want you to see this morning. It says, Next to them, the Katoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Did you catch that? A group was assigned about 11.5 miles from Jerusalem, not too far from Bethlehem. The importance of this city is that Amos the prophet came from this city. But here's the other issue. This city, the people, the government wouldn't work. It's also in the region of the Germany we met last week by the We don't know the whole story. But as I read this and I see this, Scripture says in my translation that they would not put their shoulders to the work. Other translations say they would not bend their neck to the work. That phrase is reminiscent of an expression called stint neck. We see that all through Scripture. The expression is agricultural. It describes an ox who is uncontrollable or stubborn. So the biblical writers are telling us of those who have a willful spirit of the people who refuse to submit to God. It's also possible that these nobles think that manual labor, that getting out and doing work is beneath them because of their position and who they are. Yet in the New Testament, Jesus tells his followers to take his yoke upon you. It is a metaphor for serving God through faith in Christ. As I read about this fish you and I read verse 5 as a reminder of what I already shared this morning. There are those who are within the church body who see a need but choose not to do anything about it. They see a need, they see a concern, they say, we see a way they can be serving God, yet choose not to do it. We see that in verse 5. But as our tour continues, we go from the fish gate to the work near the old gate. Work near the old gate. Now what's interesting to note is nobody knows the exact location of this gate. But we know its purpose. We know that it was Next to him was Shalom, Shalom the son of Balaish, leader of the half district of Jerusalem. He and his, look at the next word, daughters. So obviously it was daddy bringing their daughter to work His daughters and his daughters are mentioned in Scripture by uh, making repairs. That's all it says about. We don't know their names. We have to start very far for the post right out today. But they're important because they're listed in Scripture. So, so as we move to the next gate is the Valley Gate. The Valley Gate is centrally located along the western wall. And so it's therefore the most important gate. Because the valley gate, you see it in that picture, it covered a long stretch of the wall, a little longer than usual. The distance that gate covers about 500 yards. And given it is on the western side of the city, means it's less susceptible to attacks. Because if you can notice, as we work around on the east side, there are a number of gates along the western side. We see two before we get to the bottom here, This is the least likely side to be attacked. It's the section that was probably in better condition than the east side of the city. But it's also important to note, if you were to go back to Nehemiah chapter 2, it's this gate that Nehemiah went through to do a checkup breaker last week. When he went on his night recon mission, he entered through the valley gate. He exited and entered through that gate. So need a repair, but apparently it may have been the only been working, rebuilding the gate and rebuilding the walls in this section of Jerusalem. And again, it is a mark of leadership. It's a mark of desire to serve God. We continue our journey next to the fountain gate. The fountain gate. The fountain gate faces east is located at southeast portion of the wall of the city. It's here where things get serious. It's here where a lot more of the damage is being repaired. Remember last week we shared that Nehemiah couldn't travel along the eastern side because of the debris. Originally the city, the walls were a little further down along the slope towards the, uh, the Kidron Valley. But now they're going to push it up to from the platform so it's a little bit more level and a little safer as they... Work. They know what needs to be done in this section of the wall. They know that it's been destroyed from top to bottom, and it's slid down. Now they've got to push it back up. And it appears because of the threats of the enemies. This section was a message. This section is important to get your work done. To complete the past that is before them. Notice in this passage of scripture, in verse 17 notice who's working verse 17 says the levites were working and were carrying this section of the wall again those who are leaders in the worship you see leaders the worship in this verse you see those who are administrators from places outside of Jerusalem coming together to see that the work is done to see that the task at hand is completed we continue moving up east now to the those who are working, who are leaders within the church. We see those who are caring about what takes place. Again, we think about the Levites who are helping who are associated with the priest, and we see their work. But we also know the water gate. We're going to see the water gate later. In Nehemiah chapter 8, it's going to be at this gate where Ezra stands and reads the law to the people. So we're going to come back to that gate later in this study. We continue to move up on the east side so we'll work through the horse gate. The horse gate. Again, gates with names you we pretty much figure out what comes through the gate. This is the horses. These are the ones who enter the city go to go through the grounds of the palace just south of the east gate. It is also the gate that led towards the and led it towards the inner part of the city. What's amazing as we working our way around this is they complete this project in 52 days. In 52 days, they repair all these gates. It shows us and reminds us that God had a plan in fulfilling His purpose through their work. I want to make reference to one thing before we get to this last game. We see. There's a little space right there. In Scripture, if you look back at these verses, in verse 28 going through 30, you jump down to verse 30, there's a mention of the East Gate. That's not a part of your outline. And I mention it because it's mentioned in Scripture. The each Gate served a purpose because it was directly led to the temple. It was also known as the Golden Gate. Years later, that gate would be blocked up by enemies. It's not passable anymore. These other gates are passable still today if you go to Jerusalem. But this gate in particular, you cannot go through. But this gate serves a purpose. Scripture tells us in Ezekiel that Ezekiel saw the glory of God depart from the temple at the east gate. But Ezekiel also says that the Lord will return at the east. Yes, it may not serve a purpose that we think, but in God's plan it served a huge purpose. Let me get to the last gate this morning. The last gate is the word where the inspection gate. And the New King James is also called the Pad gate. Again, with this gate we don't know where it exactly was in the beginning, but we know where it is now. It was a place of inspection where those gathered before they entered the city, but we don't know if it was a if it was the soldiers, if it was the temple guard, we don't know who entered this gate for inspection, but that's really the But here's what I want you to see. Jump on verse 32. Notice what scripture says here. Between the upper room and the corner, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmith and merchants made repair. We make a giant circle counterclockwise. We seen all these gates; They all serve a purpose. In Scripture, we see multiple individuals coming. There are 48 different individuals and groups who are named in this chapter. And yes, the games are important, but for our time this morning, the remaining time that I have this morning, I want you to see how the people respond. Because to me, that's what's most important. Yes, we need to know the gates. Yes, we need to know the individuals who took part in the work of the city. But I want to make this side note for just a second. As I've been studying, as I've been reading, I've been going through different sources. And just recently, I picked up a copy of Charles Wendell's book, Passing Another Brick, which is a leadership book based on the book of Nehemiah. But guess what chapter he skips in his this one. He skips chapter three. In another commentary, they only dedicate a paragraph to chapter three. In another, another commentary I read through, they list the name of the gate, but that's not part They leave out the. to this chapter of Scripture. And here's the first thing. The people responded quickly. The people responded quickly. If you were to go back to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, Scripture tells us that when they heard this, remember i Beth, and they Beth, Zor, and, and they came from all these different regions to serve them. We're going to learn next week, chapter 4, the days who came to help work the walls couldn't go home. Because the enemy. they were making for God. Because not as there a threat to the enemy, there was also a threat of starvation for some of these families. But a sacrifice had to be made to do the Lord's work. And that sacrifice was not a small thing. The next thing I want you to see is the people responded with anonymity. All we know is what they did. We know a few names. That statement it seems odd since there is 48 different names mentioned in Scripture. But it's not the name of the individual I want you to see this morning. It's about who they are, and it's the unknown. Because in this chapter, we read about the priests, the men of Jericho, the son of Bethlehem, nah, the Tichite, the Tichite, the the I'll get closer. The men of Gideon, the men of Mizpah, daughters, the inhabitants of Zanah, the Levites, the brothers, the temple servants Longer under reproach. And no matter where they work. What if they neglected their responsibility? What if they had left a breach in the wall just big enough to know the danger to enter the city? If they left a the breach, then they would not have removed the reproach that is on them. I'm reminded as I study through this passage of Scripture, and it's a reminder for the church in general, but one of the greatest reasons the church suffers today is that they are refusing for what God has called him to do. God has called you to a task. God has called you to serve. And guess what? The only way you get out of serving is when he calls you home. That's the only way you get out of serving is when he calls you home. I'm reminded that a church's greatness is not measured by its size. That's not how a church is measured by its greatness. It's <clears throat> measured by the percentage of the people who are willing to take responsibility for what Christ has called them to do in service to him. Because greatness in the kingdom is marked by service. Greatness in the kingdom is not marked by numbers, it's marked by serving him. Also, we see in this passage that the people responded devotedly. They were devoted to the task. 52 days it took them to redo this project. 52 days it took them to build the wall. They did without much rest, with a, a thread of the enemy around the corner. But no one twisted that the job is finished. And in order for God's work to be done to God's glory, the people of God should be characterized by devotion and dependability. Remember, back in verse 12, read about a man's daughters who came to help. In another chapter we read about those. The nobles didn't help, but those who served rather than did. Because there was a desire to see things done. So the people read the we read about in chapter devoted to the call. The people responded also cooperatively. The people responded cooperatively. Now listen, it would be naive to assume that with such a large number of people working on a project, everyone will get along with everyone else. We can't assume that everybody was happy to smile and it You can't get bold, to beat my 100, You hold this door, I'm like, yes, I'm gonna hold this door. No! I'm sure they all are 100 to the third. But they had a singular purpose, they let aside their differences serve God in order that they had to cooperate with one another and do the work that they call to them. And think about how much they accomplish when they lay aside their differences and focus on what. They would literally be watching, reading the books, and watching the movies. They're always marching shoulder to shoulder. It served two purposes. The first one was this. When they fired their rifles, those shots were together. And they were clustered together. But when they were fired at huh? home, they knew that somebody standing next to them. Okay? Somebody watching out. Somebody had their back. In the same way that people of God worked side by side, that what they were doing had the greatest effect on the enemy. And when you and I face a task with others beside us, it keeps us from being overwhelmed. That's why we have other believers who walk alongside us during the hard times, during the rough times, because God does not call us to go through the problems of life alone. He calls us to go with other believers and God has made sure that the body of Christ works together and functions not as individuals, but as one. And again, for a singular purpose. Also, you'll note that the people responded <coughs> stimulusly. I know I've at it brain for it all time. Thank you. See, that's how I What does that mean? They work at the same time. Everybody work together. And the scripture doesn't say. This and said, Nehemiah, we are with you. I love what John chapter 4 34 says. Jesus said this to his disciples My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do. of here afterwards. This morning, I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk this morning. This morning, you may know who God is, but you don't know him on a personal level. The individuals that we read about in Nehemiah chapter 3 knew God on a personal level. If they didn't know God, they wouldn't have done the work. Even the goldsmith and the one who sold. The only way you can serve God is by knowing Him. The only you know Him is by knowing His Son. And accepting that free gift of salvation has been given to us because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and rising to the grave three days ago. That's the only way you can do anything for God. But there may be some this morning who know God because they've a relationship with Him. They've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, but they have forgotten the fact that they're going to be serving Him not just warning. My prayer as we come to this time of response is simply that you would open your heart to God. You may be able to check off some of the ways that people will respond to you, there's <coughs> some you may not be able to check off. And the question is for me, why can't you put a check on Why can't you do what God has called you to do as a child? To this morning, I don't know what you're going through, what you're going This morning, you can come to him for salvation. You can come to him and give away and give up that thing that's keeping you back fully being committed to him. There may be some this morning who have a desire to be part of this fellowship. Whatever the case may be, in just a moment after I pray, we start singing a familiar hymn I need thee every day. time to respond, time to be patient, the prayer is sent to this, your will be done. Father, that you would speak to the heart of individuals. And Father, you would move in the life of individuals. For those who need to know you through salvation, you would speak to them. Father, for those who need to lay something at the altar of the Lord to see them fully being committed to you, may they do that this morning. Whatever needs to be done, may business be handled according to your will,
1: your time, and your will. Father, we pray all this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.